Welcome to Scary Basement. Each week, me and my friend Mikey are drawn inexplicably and supernaturally to this basement, wherein lurks every scary thing that has ever been, including a wolfman in a tailored suit, a chicken with a dark past, the ghost of a cursed dead pirate, and an ant the size of a car with a gun. I'm Roxy Polk. And I'm Mikey McCaller. Mikey, let's start out, as we always do with these episodes, uh, talking about the scariest thing that happened to us this week. So what went down in your life outside of the scary basement that spooked you to your very bones? Roxy, I came upon a very long line at brunch. Oh, oh no. I had invited some friends out to talk about a project we were doing. And I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, yeah, we'll just Sunday morning, we'll meet at this cafe, we'll get some breakfast. I go, there's a long line, and it's like, it's on me, because I planned this, right? It's like, uh, what are we going to do? Yeah. Are we going to wait in the sun for an hour to get a table? And then the other thing that I realized, at least statistically speaking, at least one of those people in line for brunch had murdered someone. Oh, well. Um, so that's scary. So you had to make sure you don't turn your back the whole time you're waiting in line. Yeah, it was uh, just constantly gotta... spinning <laughs> to make <laughs> sure nobody could get behind me. And then you got to look out for your friends because, again, you brought them there. So if they get murdered on your watch, that's on you. Can't get my friends murdered. Yeah. I've been saying that for years. (laughs) Roxy, what scared you this week? So the thing thing that scared me this week was I was going down a set of stairs, Mikey. (laughs) It's a very narrow stairway that you can't see. Like when you're entering it, you can't come around and see anybody who would be coming up it. So I heard footsteps coming up as I was about to go down. And I was like, they can't hear me. If I go down, we're going to like meet in the middle. So I'll just stand here and wait for them to come by. Uh (laughs) And when they rounded the corner, they saw me and like yelped because I jump scared them. Uh So I I was the scary thing this week. And I was like, oh, was I really that scary just standing up there? I was like, sorry, I just didn't want to run into you. (laughs) Oh, "Oh, no, you just uh, you you scared me. And I was like, oh, sorry. (laughs) This is a real Johnny Cash hurt moment for you, where you look in the mirror and you're just like, what have I become? You know, maybe that's why I'm down in the scary basement, Mikey. I am one of the creatures, um, and they just Whoa. haven't told me yet. Whoa. But I'm allowed to leave every week, so I don't know. Maybe that's something I can hold on to. Well, sometimes uh, creatures slither up and out of the trapdoor when we make our escape as well. Uh, a lot of that's true. demon skeletons that skitter as opposed to walk will get up out roxy just leaving does not mean you're not a creature there is a distinct possibility you are at your core a monster oh no although that might be fun what if i'm a cool monster what if i'm like a vampire so i get to live forever and be hot maybe oh and smoke cigarettes uh i mean if i'm a vampire i don't have to care about lung cancer probably so i guess sure that's very cool right that's that's the distinction (laughs) to me between cool monsters and not cool monsters (laughs) Whether or not they smoke cigarettes. <laughs> what about wearing a cool leather jacket and sunglasses while you smoke? No, cigarettes? that's a that's a real try hard move. Oh, okay. But what it's about not... two of those things? <laughs> but if you smoke cigarettes while he's wearing a leather jacket? Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> and speaking of very cool monsters, here comes the demon bot. Mikey and Roxy, this week you were assigned the 1999 film The Blair Witch Project, directed by Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez and starring Heather Donahue, Michael C. Williams, and Joshua Leonard. Did you watch the film, or are your souls forfeit? Roxy, I did in fact watch The Blair Witch Project. Did you? Yes, I did. I luckily watched The Blair Witch Project. Good, then you may keep your souls. For now. All right. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> and get to live live another week. 
<laughs> I get the sense that he can't decide if he wants to like extend out telling us for now or if he was just like not confident in himself like if he had to like take a minute to collect himself i think that po- wait he's got an eyebrow moving i think he was giving us a look mikey he's trying oh. to like emphasize it kind of furtive yeah maybe to be like sarcastic raising that one eyebrow gear plate Roxy, i don't know what you would call that hitting on me oh i mean he could be that that would be a new tactic, trying to get you to do what he wants you to do, huh? He hasn't tried seduction yet. <laughs> yes. Um, a tactic. Yes, just a tactic. To steal your souls. Not for real. Anyway, we read, or read. So we watched uh, Blair Witch this week, Mikey. The classic landmark movie it takes place in the woods it's true it does uh do you want to do a plot recap for those listening to the podcast at the cellar door roxy why did i jump in and tell you one fact about it (laughs) why did i say cellar door instead of basement i don't know (laughs) either of us did either of these things we we are rattled (laughs) anyways here comes the plot recap film students heather mike and josh have gone missing They were last seen talking to locals in the town of Burkittsville, Maryland, about strange goings-on in the woods. A local man killed a bunch of children. For some reason, this man killed them in pairs, having one child stand facing the corner so they could not see what he did to the others. A woman recounts how, as a child, she encountered a strange woman with hair like a horse all over her body. Another tale they are told is of a young girl who went missing and returned days later, talking about a woman whose feet never touched the ground. But who knows how much is real and how much is made up. One thing's for sure, these film kids are going to hike into the woods with heavy packs and an inability to read maps, also they can make a documentary in the woods about the Blair Witch, who supposedly caused all these strange happenings. Alright, so our three teens, Heather, Mike, and Josh, make their way to Coffin Rock, a place where apparently five men were bound together and disemboweled while still alive. After they died, a local found their corpses, but when they alerted others and tried to recover the bodies they had disappeared or at least that's what the local legend says they make camp and one of them hears strange noises during the night they then find an old cemetery with small rock piles known as cairns the following night they hear footsteps around their tent and are terrified saying they don't want to deal with possible locals terrorizing them and that they got the footage they needed they're gonna get out of those woods they decide to head back to the car However, Heather, Mike, and Josh are unable to find that car. They camp once again, and after being menaced during the night by strange noises, in the morning they find the tent surrounded by carns and that were not there the night before. Didn't know they were called carns. That's cool, little little uh, factoid. I'm getting Cairns. interested in facts. <laughs> Anyhow, Heather then realizes they have lost the map, and after blaming her a lot for being lost, Mike finally admits that he kicked the map into the creek because he thought it was useless. The three teens fight and have no idea what to do. They are truly lost in the spooky woods. All they have left to navigate is a compass, so they choose to head south, and they soon find a bunch of stick people figures strung up in the woods all over the place. Spooky! That night they hear scary child voices and something shakes their tent violently. They run outside and are too scared to go back to the tent, so they just stay in the woods overnight. The next morning, they return to a wrecked campsite, stolen stuff, and some sort of never-explained slime. Do witches secrete slime? This one does, maybe? (laughs) 
<laughs> salvaging what they can, Heather, Mike, and Josh continue on and realize they are not going south. They're going in circles. They've been to this exact location before. The three of them start losing it. And Josh, in particular, is having a rough time. They camp, and the next morning, Josh goes missing. Heather and Mike search for him, but he's just straight up gone. That night, they hear Josh screaming in the woods. The next morning, Heather finds a bundle of sticks tied up with scraps from Josh's shirt. She unwraps the bundle and finds pieces of what can only be assumed to be Josh inside. There's teeth. There's hair. There's a finger. There's even a tongue. For some reason, Heather chooses not to tell Mike about this. <laughs> that night, Heather makes a confession to the camera, apologizing for being so naive about filming and getting everyone into this mess. The famous, I'm so scared right now scene. Suddenly, Heather and Mike hear Josh's scream again. And this time, they follow the noise to a messed up, abandoned house. There are weird symbols on the wall and bloody child handprints everywhere. Mike and Heather are separated. Mike, in the basement, is attacked. And when Heather tries to find him, she too ends up in the basement, seeing Mike staring at a corner of the room, unmoving and unresponsive to her screams. She too is then attacked by something unseen. The footage of their camera is all that is left of them. They're never seen again. Roxy, that is the Blair Witch Project. The Blair Witch Project. Um, I do want to say real quick, a lot of unclear happenings going on in this movie, but we during this episode, are going to speak to the Blair Witch herself. Because, of course, here in the scary basement, every scary thing that's ever been is here, including the Blair Witch. So we will, later in the episode, be talking to the Blair Witch and get some answers as to what happened to these kids. It's about time, because so much of this shit is left unexplained. I need to specifically ask her about the slime and what that means. Yeah. Although maybe I don't want to know also. I don't know. I'll figure it out when we talk to her. I might not say I, anything. Uh, Roxy, I would say maybe don't ask the Blair Witch about the slime, because that's kind of rude. Maybe. I is this? A, I want to know new witch lore. I didn't know those things witches could do. Here's or the thing. her here's specifically. The thing. Asking a witch about her slime is like asking a person about their bms all right you just you just let the you just let them handle it on their own you know that's their business okay all right i mean it, it would be their business until they put it all over other people's stuff then God. i'd say mm, mm. that's a great point she did get her witch bms all over <laughs> yeah Josh's don't hoodies. bring other people into your kink unless they agree to it is my thought <laughs> I, I would argue that is the least uh boundary crossing moment that the Blair Witch <laughs> does to these three. <laughs> Very true. She kind of like uh, straight up murders them by the end or something. So, uh, yeah. So this movie, it's all shot hand on handheld cameras uh, from the perspective of Heather, Mike, and Josh. They are all at various times holding cameras and filming each other and bopping around. Yeah, we got like old school black and white film reel camera, mm -hmm. right? And then we've got a more modern for 1999, like digital camera handheld yeah. camera uh so that that's interesting they have like black and white footage for instance when they go to the house at the end it's all black and white footage mm -hmm. and then they have uh shots of the color camera as well so they kind of intercut that within the movie uh for added effect at times which yeah. is pr pretty cool pretty cool choice honestly so we've got these three film students Heather, Mike, mm -hmm. and Josh. Heather and Josh are like friends going into this, and Mike's kind of the new boy in the group, you know? He they Yeah. They hear he knows how to handle audio equipment, so they're like, hey, come to the woods with us. Yeah, I think also in an earlier version of the script, Josh and Heather are like exes who became like friends. Oh, so like they had history, but I don't 
think that made it into this one. And like he, Josh mentions his girlfriend would like be looking for him. Yeah. And stuff at one point. So like, which I would think be they completely abandoned really that. mean to bring up if Heather was his ex. You just, that's, I guess. it's just assumed. <laughs> you don't talk about your exes with your exes. I mean, it seems like they had made up and were friends enough that they would be doing a project like this together. So I, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> so I think one thing that this movie does really, really well is at the beginning, mm-hmm. it gives you more than enough specifics that it almost feels like a grab bag as to what could actually be going on. Like, we've got a witch. We've got Coffin Rock. We've got uh, Rustin Parr is the name of the man who was killing children in the corner. Yeah. So I think, like, the the killer, he's the only one they can, like, actually verify because it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, children died and they literally took their bodies out of his house. Yeah. So that for sure happened, but everything else could be left up to just, like, superstitious locals or people mm-hmm. pulling a prank or making up shit to sound more interesting. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I had I had watched this movie when it first came out, was deeply invested in the myth, the lore. Did you see it in theaters? I, I did. must know. Yeah. Oh, okay. I and heard that, like, for people who saw it in theaters, it was very magical and unique. Like, a kind of experience that you could not replicate again, essentially. I like, mean, the whole I, hype surrounding it and marketing surrounding it and, like, being able to get tickets to see it. I would say that the first moment that made it magic was not so much seeing it in the movie. Because I remember walking out just being like, what happened? What's going on? What am I supposed okay. to take away from this? What was magic? Like, I think I had forgotten about the man killing kids in the corner. So the ending was just like, what's going on? Yeah, they mentioned it. I didn't even remember them mentioning that at the beginning, to be honest. Like, this was the oh. first time I had seen it since I had seen the movie as a kid on, like, a VHS tape. So I had the similar thing where I was like, oh, they mentioned that before because, of course, you're always going to remember that scene at the end where he is standing, Mike is standing in the corner. Um, So I was like, okay, interesting. So they foreshadowed that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But what was truly magic about this experience for me was going online. I feel like this movie came out. I mean, uh it did come out in 1999. I don't feel like it came out in 1999. It came out in 99. And that was like my first experience of like going down an internet rabbit hole. And just being like. Oh, damn. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. He was in the corner. Oh, those were his teeth. Oh, was Josh being possessed? Like, like finding out all of these little bits of narrative that, like, you could find as much as you wanted. I think what this movie does so well is just, like, gives me, an, a, like, just barely enough information to make up in my head what happened. And then I can just mm. sit with, like, my personal interpretation. And yeah, everybody else's interpretation is right. Yeah, it definitely does that thing where they are vague on purpose, but like with structure. So yeah, you can make leaps in logic to be like, oh, if Josh was possessed, then that's how the two characters died at the end and stuff because mm-hmm. he was doing it. And also like the uh, guy who killed the kids, once he did it, had done it, he like came into town and said, I'm finally finished or something right. like turned himself in. So mm-hmm. you get the sense that he too was also possessed and that's why he did it. And, like, I think they said his house burned down, and yet they are supposed to be in his house by the end of it. Mm-hmm. So there's also, like, is there time manipulation or is just, like, a pocket dimension or something going yeah. on here? Especially with them getting lost and, like, running around. I'll, t- I'll tell you what I think it is. Uh-huh. What? Witchcraft. Yeah. It's- <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's witch. I just, that's just what I think, personally. Yeah. I mean, witches can have time magic and possession yeah, magic spells. and... There's could, also um we we know that there yeah, are Yeah, she could be an evil witch spirit or uh, Tell me if I'm getting this wrong. I feel like there were seven rock piles that they initially found. 
I can't remember the number at the beginning, but seven would make sense with the seven victims. Why didn't I? Well, exactly. That was what, like, I'm literally just now remembering. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't even make that connection or think about that at all. That's really interesting, actually, if they did that. And then the next morning find three rock piles outside. And then there's the three of them. And there's three of those people. Dude, this movie (laughs) fucking rules. I love this movie so much. I loved it so much more this time watching it than I did as a kid. Like, I bought the VHS and watched it a bunch. Yeah. This, I think, was also the last VHS that I ever purchased. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. So you actually bought it, too. Mm-hmm. All right. Nice. Because <laughs> I remember Blair Witch came out maybe a month or two before The Sixth Sense. And The Sixth Sense okay. was one of yeah, the first both DVDs huh? I ever owned. Okay. And Blair Witch was absolutely a VHS movie. Yeah. <sighs> I love this movie. Roxy, I did not remember the arc that Heather goes on in this movie that actually had me like really invested. Okay, like, uh, what specifically about it, I guess? Heather is so determined to make her movie and to keep filming, and she's just, like, so confident in herself. And even rewatching it uh, again this time, just, like, realizing how she never gives an inch the entire movie. She's like, I know exactly where we are. I am planned for this. I think that this movie is going to be great. Like, she's just, like, so confident and so mm-hmm. determined and that's why like this time the the famous shot of her pointing the camera at herself just her nose and eyes and little stocking cap was uh-huh. so powerful because it was her finally realizing she's just like i'm sorry she had not said this at all the entire movie she's just like not even a bit of give and all of a sudden she's just breaking down she's just got nothing left yeah i was deeply invested and very sad and just like pulling for her it's like i'm almost wondering is she conjuring this blair witch by being so headstrong it almost feels like for her to show any sort of humility we we talk about this all the time like what is the movie saying about Mm -hmm. you know don't have sex before you're married or you'll get stabbed by jason like the movie's morality I I wonder, it makes me feel like if Heather had shown a little humility earlier, they might have had a way out. Yeah, I think a, a lot of I the takeaway I have was, yeah, her hubris is what did it. But at the same time, I've seen breakdowns. So the, there were details. I wanted to check like behind the scenes stuff and it ended up leading to other things. Learning about certain things people pointed out to be like, oh, this is an alternate interpretation of the ending, that there is no witch at all. And actually, it's the boys dragging her into the woods to murder her. <laughs> That's funny. So there's like alternate thought processes about how all this happened because she keeps the map on her person in her back pocket. So like mm-hmm. whenever they're asking about it, she's like, I have it on me. It's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but then she like hands it to Josh. And then somehow after handing it to Josh along the way, Mike kicks it into the river mm-hmm. so it's like it just disappears and like where would you have even even gotten it if it's like in her back pocket like how did you like either mike stole it out of her back pocket to dump it or josh was the one who put it on the ground and the mike kicked it or something mm-hmm. um and how they could have been setting this all up especially because mike is standing in the corner at the end and then you know josh has gone missing it mm-hmm. would be perfect to distract her, come up behind her, like kill her in a planned way or something. Wow. I don't mind that theory at all. Especially because she doesn't know Mike at all. 
And if there was the whole setup where, like, her and Josh were dating, if that was still something they kept in canon, I don't know if it is or isn't, honestly, mm-hmm. because I don't think they ever address it. It could be like, yeah, he just was just, like, sick of her. And so they plotted <laughs> this thing with this guy that, like, he really knows Mike or something, even though he's saying he doesn't. So it was, like, an alternate read that I had never, I probably wouldn't yeah. have even thought about. Because all of the stuff that happens, I mean, except for maybe the slime, like, is totally something that people could do. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, with them getting lost would be the only thing if they somehow by chance figured it out but there's parts where like she says we should keep heading south i have the compass just keep heading south and they do it for a while and then at some point the boys are just like i don't want to do it anymore and she's like what but that's the plan and they're just like no i just don't want to do it anymore and then they get lost and they're turning around Uh and it's like yeah of course that would happen like why did you decide to stop is it just because like you're planning something or you're idiots i don't know i i think the the reason that interpretation doesn't hold up for me is because there's enough extra stuff that like with if, what if, the, if they were just getting lost and then in the rustin par house and whatever happens happens i could buy it but like the idea that they were like okay we're gonna take her out in the woods and kill her but we're also gonna tie together all of these little stick men yeah. <laughs> we're, we're gonna hang the stick men up and then we're not gonna talk about it anymore it's like that's probably uh, not part of the plan. Probably, unless they were like, and then we'll take the footage and we'll make the movie and then we'll make all the money and it'll be like, oh, we somehow survived it. That's a great um, point. If that's part of faking their knows? own death. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was just, it was interesting because you were talking about how like going on the internet to find out what the hell happened. Mm-hmm. And because there was a lot of vagary thing, like people can extrapolate all kinds of stuff, uh, yeah. which I found very interesting to discover that people had that sort of theory. Because I was like, yeah, I was not viewing it through that lens at all. Because again, like you were talking very much about Heather's kind of hubris getting them into it and her having a turn at the end when she is apologizing and being like, I was naive about this. Uh, like, I thought I had to be in charge to be confident, so, you know, wouldn't be letting people down to be able to, like, steer the ship here, but I just, I I should have admitted we were lost earlier. <laughs> All kinds of things. She needs to admit it earlier. Yeah, which Heather is my if- favorite character in so many years. Just, like, really? when they are, <laughs> yes, I love Heather so much. It's so funny okay. to me when they are, they're hiking and they're hanging out and she's, like, uh, first of all, I saw this movie when I was young, so so many memories have just, or so many lines rather, are just embedded in my memory. Oh, like okay. when she when she first runs into Mike, she's like Mister Punctuality, <laughs> and I just remember that line read super well. But like when they get to her hosting for the actual film, when oh, they switch to yeah. the black and white camera, I forgot about this. her voice becomes half British, where she says oh, like, "Is it?" No one seems to recall anything unusual. <laughs> she's yeah, she's very much like, doing like her hoster presenter like affectation. Yes. Yeah. It's so like, funny. Over to me. And, and she's cute. trying so hard. Oh, mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> it's very good. I completely forgot about that as well. Because, like, my experience watching this movie, I had like one rich friend for a couple years in middle school, high school, <laughs> I can't even remember. They had like a five-story, maybe even six-story house like on the side of a mountain. And they had a basement. What? But like they had too many rooms, not, didn't know what to do with them. Literally just like a big screen TV sitting in the middle of the room with a couch facing it. Like this giant cavernous room with a huge ceiling at the Roxy, bottom of this mansion. It was so weird. <laughs> were you friends with uh, the child of Ernst Stavro Blofeld from James Bond. <laughs> I must have been and didn't know it. <laughs> I 
Oh, now, now, okay, all of his, like, wall-mounted devices of uh, murder that, you know, from previous Bonds that he had killed. Right. That makes she, a lot more sense now. He, he had that table with the laser that slices your dick first. Yeah, he had it, like, framed in a glass case so he could remember the good times. And I sh- that should have been the big tip-off for me when I saw that. But I don't know if I'd seen that particular Bond movie at the time I was a kid. So, yeah, I can at least blame it on that. Cool. Um, But, like, we, we would just sit on the couch, turn off all the lights, watch the movie. So, you're, like, isolated. Your back isn't against a wall. There's just, like, open space back there. And it just feels like you're almost, like, floating in darkness watching this movie experience so i remember being very scared by it and like my friend who i was watching it with like put her hands over her eyes and couldn't watch at the end when we got down there to the basement Mm -hmm. and then like now watching it as an adult i've seen so many movies by this point i was almost like bored in a set like i was definitely not scared but it's Mm -hmm. like yeah so many things have come after this have like emulated it taken influence from it examples of it it's just been like done to death Mm-hmm. And so much of the big gimmick is the wrong word. Setup, I guess, was like the marketing campaign, the time it was made, the internet at the time, mm-hmm. the shitty sequel hadn't come out yet, uh-huh. <laughs> stuff like that. So it, it's interesting watching it now. And I would like to know what people think if they have never seen this movie before and now watch it mm-hmm. in like, you know, 2022 and onwards to see like how, what their interpretation of it is. Because like, I rented it from Amazon and looking at some of the reviews, there was a bunch of one star people just saying boring. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably just because you watch it now in 2022 for the first time and don't understand like how much of a landmark. Yeah. Important film this is in a way. I always refer to this as the early Beatles problem where like Mm. the first few Beatles records were kind of shitty, but it was Uh like. We like it was like a new way to do pop music at the time. Yeah, like, was, pop music has come so far since then that it's like it. I don't understand why the Beatles would be a legendary band if you're just looking at those first couple albums. Yeah, love me do you know I love you? Shut up, that sucks. <laughs> that sucks. The I think also th- this movie was so cheaply made. Like that's a big thing. I think it even like won some sort of award or something for being like the cheapest movie that made the most money mm. or something. Yeah, like, it cost fifty dollars to make. <laughs> yeah, famously only $50. It was uh, mostly They actually famously returned the camera they used to film the movie. They returned <laughs> it to like Circuit City. They bought it, used it, then returned it. That's uh, awesome. They were, they were trying to save money wherever they could. And I think every actor only got paid like $1,000 each per day, which wow. like I hope they got some sort of residuals from that because if they didn't, holy shit, that's sad. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, they didn't know what it was going to be. So, sure. you know, there's no way you can really predict that that was going to happen. And mm-hmm. like- you know, we saw this happen a couple decades later with Paranormal Activity doing its own thing, too, in, like, a similar way. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I feel, I feel like we're due for another found footage movie that's going to revolutionize the entire genre of how found footage movies happen, Mikey. Any day now, they're going to come out with one of those. I hope. <laughs> well, we did just get, um, I mean, not just. We got a sequel to this movie. To this, to this movie. Um, not- yes, yeah, yeah. Uh that i think is just called blair witch yeah which makes it hard to sort of search for yeah it's screwed up that they did that but it rules it's really awesome yeah i think you liked it i was not a fan of that movie (laughs) oh boy okay (laughs) but i did appreciate the fact that like they were choosing to try and expand on the existing movie instead of just doing like hey we're reinventing it for like you know 20 years after it came out to do Mm -hmm. our own thing about it 
It's like, no, it's kind of cool to actually sort of build on the lore and the characters they had set up. Yeah. Or I think it's like Heather had a brother, right? He's the main character mm-hmm. of that one. Yeah. It's tracking down. I would say that for me, the thing this movie does better than maybe any movie I've ever seen is oh? put me in the feelings of these characters. Where okay. like, as they're getting frustrated, I'm getting frustrated. As they're getting yeah. scared, as they're getting beaten down, I think this movie does it wears you down. It is evoke that emotion. Yeah. <laughs> Just yep. like, yeah, being lost in the woods is horrifying. There was actually a Blair Witch video game that tries to recreate this feeling mm, of being mm-hmm. lost in the woods. And I played it for like 10 minutes. I was like, I can't do this. This is an absolutely uncomfortable experience because I feel like I'll never get out of it. And this movie gives it to me. And it does feel like we're just going to be walking in the woods forever and they're going to be walking in the woods forever. And that I think is the the true fear for me about this movie it's just that like not only are we lost in the woods but we're lost in the plot (laughs) like we're lost in terms of what happened to these kids we'll never truly know and we'll never truly get out of these woods of this Blair Witch mystery and I think that's a really cool weird thing that this movie is able to pull off yeah there's so much of them like walking around in circles literally where like I have no way to tell because every all the backgrounds look the same. Like, mm-hmm. I can't tell how much ground they've covered at all. There's only a certain- They have a moment where there's, like, a, a log that they're, like, that yeah. they make a big deal of crossing. And then when they come back, they're like, this is the log we already crossed. I was like, that, to me, like, rewatching it, my stomach dropped when they got to that mm. log again. I was like, okay, you have communicated to me effectively that there is nowhere else to go. This is just what's happening. Yeah, like, also, if they hadn't have said that was the same log, there's no way in hell I would have known that. Uh-huh, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it didn't even read to me, because, yeah, everything looks so so similar. So, yeah, it does feel like you're kind of just trapped in this liminal space, mm-hmm. in a way. Which, and I, I guess, say- kind of is one of the theories about it, that the Blair Witch creates, like, a pocket dimension or something. Because they're like, yeah, we've been gone for days. Like, there's so many sequences where they'll do something during the day, go to sleep at night, wake up, and something has changed. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize, like, how many, like, days happened within the movie, essentially. Yeah, like, at least a week or something. And they're like, somebody will be looking for us if we've been gone this long. Like, we weren't even supposed to be gone for more than two days or something. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, Josh makes that comment about, my girlfriend is expecting me. And then Mike has to go to work. He's like, I'm supposed to be at work. And then there's a thing about how they have to turn in some of the equipment at a certain time because they rented it. So they're like, well, we need to turn in all this stuff. We have to do all this stuff. And then eventually they're like, well, it's been many days. I guess we just have to give up on returning this stuff. But also, why is no one looking for us? Yeah. Dude, it's so scary. They make a weird comment, too, about like... People don't get lost in America. Like, this is America. It was uh-huh. a really weird statement that I was like, I didn't even, that's a weird thing to say, I guess, because, like, America is gigantic and the woods in America are gigantic in many places. That People was get another... lost all the time. It's like a whole thing that was it missing 411 or something oh, yeah, like unsolved that. Unsolved Mysteries. I, I mean, also that too. <laughs> uh, I remember as a kid, this was my first, like, venturing into theme crafting. I remember oh. coming up, and I don't remember any of the specifics because it was like, clearly this is not what this movie is about now. But there's uh-huh. – they not only say you can't get lost in America, but there's a part where Heather brings that up again, and they start, like, marching around singing the national anthem. Yeah, yeah. That was so weird. And I remember thinking, like, this is the filmmaker's comment on 
capitalism in some way that we're all lost in the woods that we're all struggling oh. against an oppressive force that has bound and <laughs> uh blinded us and trapped us in its pocket dimension where the only choice is to start putting each other into corners because we're cowards under capitalism we can't stab somebody in the back we do it from behind and then that's uh, them taking their job oh that's okay. josh taking I mean, that's- heather's and mike's job yeah, I guess uh, that's that's what he did because we never saw him, so he could be yeah. doing that. That is not what the movie is about, Roxy. <laughs> yeah, that's a different <laughs> well, interpretation. What would you say the movie is ultimately about? What deep human fear is this movie poking at? Uh, that's a good question. So, like, I think we, we kind of touch on some things with Heather's character in particular, like her hubris being more of a character arc, but I don't feel like that's what the movie is trying to say at all. That's just mm-hmm. something that happens to her. Yeah. So I don't know if it's about, like, just literally fear of the unknown or just not being able to control like loss of control not being able to control your own life you can't even control the direction you're going with these guys let alone anything that happens to you afterwards mm-hmm. but again i i honestly don't know i had i had a hard time with this one was there anything that stuck out to you mikey that was it to me too it's this idea of being so powerless and being so out mm. of control and I think that's why Heather's arc is so effective because it plays in contrast to it. It's she is a okay. character who is deeply in control, and yeah. this movie puts her in a situation where she has never had less control, and we see how it breaks her down. And I think that's why, like, I was like getting really emotional at her talking to the camera speech at the end. You like, know, when she does, it. when she finally breaks down, that's when everything goes to hell. So it's kind of like her giving up in a way, mm-hmm. is what, like, triggers the rest of it to happen. Like, she held on for so long, and maybe that's why they've just been walking around for so long, because yeah. she hasn't been worn down yet, even though the boys have been at that point. You know what? That's actually interesting, and now I'm thinking about it. Like, this film is titled The Blair Witch Project, and this is about yeah. Heather going into the woods to film a movie, and she is adamant that the movie is going to be successful, and it's not until she admits that she's scared and sad that everything ends. If you look at the Blair Witch Project as her life, like there is there is mm-hmm. something really horrifying to the idea that like you have all these great hopes for this for what you want to build out of, you know, your film or your life and then at some point it's proven wrong. It's just you, you, you get told by fate or circumstance, whatever it may be that it's not going to end well. And how well you accept that, like, it it keeps her alive for a couple more days, but in a horrible state, like, you're right, it's by accepting it that she is finally let out of her prison, that this is not going to be a good movie, and this is not going to be a good life. It's really upsetting. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting, especially looking at it through that lens of, like, Heather's journey in contrast to, like, what's going on, and especially since you never see the witch, which I know is supposed to be... Like, it, it's scarier to imagine, you know, mm-hmm. it, kind of leaving it unknown. But it could also just be like, yeah, it's more of a reflection where, like, you never needed to see her because that's not the point. <laughs> like, well, the whole point is you, just the loss of control in that way. You know, actually, the the plan was for us to see the witch a lot more, but the animatronic witch just looked so bad on all the screen tests that uh-huh. eventually the director was just like, we're just, we're just going to create suspense out of it. Actually, the real reason why you never see the witch was they fucked it up. It was actually a mess up. And then they were like, no, actually, we should keep that. Because they actually had an actress who was supposed to be the witch, had her in makeup. And at the end, when they hear Josh and they're running towards the house, the camera is supposed to pan over. Because there's a point where Heather is screaming like, what the hell is that? What the hell is that? that, And you never see what she's looking at. So Uh so you're like, what is is she talking about? 
Uh, so the camera was supposed to like pan left or right, and it just didn't. And then they kept going, <laughs> so you never saw it. But they were like, oh, no, actually, we like that. We'll keep that. Also, her specific scene where she is like talking into the camera that close, that was mm-hmm. also something not intentional. Really? Yes, it was supposed to be a wider shot, but the actress pressed the zoom button by mistake and then recorded the whole scene like that. Whoa. Really up close. And then they were like, oh, actually, we really love this. And now yeah. it's become the distinct shot. It's the fucking poster art. <laughs> <laughs> it's the thing that people remember most, like the girl's snot dripping into the camera as she's like crying about this very emotional thing in the darkness. Yeah. Um, oh. And that was, it, it's interesting because so many of, the scenes and stuff, they had a script, but it was loosely structured. And certain things like the tent being rustled, the actress did not know about that. <laughs> like a lot of the things that happen in this movie are very genuine reactions from the actors, them being very good at improv, and then just like happy accidents that they were like, yeah, let's roll with that. I like that. So like being like open to change or like embrace the things that happened to it during the project. Yeah. Um, which this is movie, very cool. <laughs> this movie is successful because they give up their control. Damn. I mean, I guess in that way. <laughs> That's real nice. Roxy, <laughs> I got a question for you. Okay, what's what's your question? Throughout the Blair Witch Project, our pals Heather, Mike, and Josh get pretty lost in the woods. Boy, do they. What was the time in your life when you were the most lost? When I was the most lost. I mean, we're talking physically, mentally. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's go with uh, the time I was most physically lost. I can remember I was newly in Portland. I was an intern and I was actually meeting with someone who could possibly like not not only were they someone I liked and wanted to be friends with, but they were also someone who could possibly help my career. Mm. So I was like Steven looking Spielberg? forward to meeting them. Yes, I was going to Steven Spielberg's house. We were going to watch movies with a bunch of friends. Uh, it's going to be a whole big thing. <laughs> but so I, I was new to the city and did not have really like a grasp on the public transit yet. And also, I'm from Alaska. Public transit there is not a big thing. It's basically you, you just have a car or you kind of don't go anywhere. <laughs> it, it has gotten better later, but definitely uh, I never had used really public transit until I came to Portland, honestly. So I didn't know how it worked. It was dark. It was raining. That night, I had the added pressure of being like, well, what if they don't like me and then they never want to ever talk to me about anything professionally again, let alone as a friend, like these new people I haven't met. Um, And so I took the wrong bus. I got turned around. I couldn't understand what neighborhood I was in because there's a bunch of different like neighborhoods and boroughs and like stuff here. They're like, I don't know what that means. Like what what was that name means nothing to me. And they'll just be like, yeah, it's in the like Laurelhurst area or something. I'd be like, what, what is that? That means nothing to me. Please tell me like an address. <laughs> um, and I think I had newly gotten a smartphone as well. So like I wasn't used to navigating on my phone to try and find where I was going. And so the person whose house I had to go to, I had to be like, look, I'm lost. I can't. I don't know how to get where you are. I don't know where I am. I'm sorry. Please help me. <laughs> Roxy, that is exactly why you didn't end up facing a corner and murdered. Oh, why? Because I Cause asked you, for help? You asked for help. You admitted you didn't know what you were doing. You didn't know how to get there. And the Blair Witch let you free. Okay, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't quite realize I was on a knife's edge, but uh, now I feel real much better about this experience because, hey, I'm here and uh, Josh isn't. You're a survivor. <laughs> Unlike that son of a bitch, Josh. Yeah, geez. What about you, Mikey? What has been the time in your life when you've been most lost? 
Okay. I, in my first few years of college, had a friend who we would go very late at night. Like, I would go pick him up and he would buy, like, he didn't have a car, right? Or he okay. couldn't drive. And so he was like, if you come pick me up and take me to Wendy's, I'll pay for your Wendy's. And so we okay. got, like, nice. a lot of late night fast food. <laughs> oh. And there was one time where we went to, I remember specifically, a Burger King. And we got a okay. big bunch of chicken nuggets and we were eating them in the parking lot. Uh-huh. And, and like, what time of night was this? This is like a one or two in the morning kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Figured. And now looking back at this situation, very much, if not the Blair Witch, then some kind of witch, came up to my window and knocked. And oh. I rolled down the window a crack and she was like, hey, can you bring me to Minneapolis? What the hell? <laughs> and me and my friend were like, no, sorry. And she was just like, I just got to get to Minneapolis. And we're like, okay. It was very creepy. In my head, she was just wearing a tank top and shorts and no shoes. I don't know if that's real or not. Uh-huh. But so then we were at like- uh, but, uh, hey, Hang on a second. Hang on a okay, second. Okay, okay. So we both went to college in Minneapolis. So if your friend is asking you to take you a place, aren't you already in Minneapolis? We were in like she a- was su- asking to go- Well, no, we were, at, we were in like a suburb. So like a- Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. This is where the friend lived. And so it was an unfamiliar Burger King. <laughs> oh, no, not an unfamiliar Burger King. God forbid. And so we were trying to, I, I was like, okay, well, the, once we, like, we left. We left right after this creepy woman came to our car. And oh, we okay. got so lost just driving around for hours oh. to the point where me and this friend looked at each other and we were like, that woman cursed us. This is the rest <laughs> of our life. Like, we kept getting lost in, like, Richfield, Minnesota, the easiest to navigate stupid little suburb is it in the history <laughs> of minnesota well i know like if you go too far outside of the city and everything there's a lot of i don't, I don't know Winding like farm roads? lands Ugh, right don't I know like it. i don't know what minnesota is known for but like outside of the city centers there is just like a lot of empty space i recall yeah we're known minnesota is known for farmlands and having a pro wrestler for a governor that's that's true that was tight roxy <laughs> on a scale of one to nine, because the number 10 does not exist in the scary basement, how likely are the events of the Blair Witch Project to happen in real life? Uh, So I actually said nine out of nine. Whoa! For people getting lost in the woods, happens all the time. People mm-hmm. getting lost in the woods, going nuts or disappearing, I'd believe that. Sure. Also, people falling for a fake internet campaign and thinking <laughs> these actors had actually died to the point where they send condolence letters to the actress's mother. <laughs> That totally tracks to something that would happen and has happened, literally. <laughs> I am in agreement with you. I actually said seven. Okay. Because I, I agree with all of that. I think it's all very likely to happen. The one thing that I think was unrealistic mm-hmm. about the Blair Witch Project. Okay. The single one thing. The only thing. By the time you get to four children murdered in the corner, you're, <laughs> uh-huh. you're used to it enough that like you can handle the eyes at that point. Like then it doesn't matter anymore. Eventually you're just like, all right, killing kids is my business and business is good. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just a failing on his part then maybe that uh he he chose to stick to the routine he created instead of improvising and embracing the change that he knew he could handle yeah, like this movie uh, did. Rustin Parr's Garden of Eden was <laughs> keeping children in the corner we need to get out and explore so last week we made a bet about the blair witch yeah so our bet was 
how many stick figures are witnessed in the woods? I said 12. Yes, Mikey said 12. I said 25. The real answer is... Well, here's the thing. I counted exactly 25. Okay. I I counted like 20, but I was also like not sure how many of these were repeats, and there is so many of them. So I, I would trust yes. your count because one, it makes me win, and uh-huh. two, <laughs> yeah, I definitely think I missed some. So. Well- you won anyway, because I Hell I was yeah. more lenient. I was counting, like, if I had a question as to whether it was a new one or not, I just gave it a point. So that puts, yeah. you are going to get this one. The standing is Roxy with 19 points, Mikey at right. 18 points, and one tie. <laughs> You're back in the lead. I'm winning again. Yeah. All right. And as we all know, as mentioned in a note from the before people- Yep. Something happens at 30. We don't know which, what what kind of 30. That could mean anything. Absolutely no one knows. All right, Roxy, steal yourself. We are finally going to talk to the Blair Witch herself. I'm ready. Scared, but ready. How you doing there, the Blair Witch? I'm okay. You know, I was there in the corner, listened to you talk about Heather and Mike and, yes, <laughs> even Josh. And I was feeling, I don't know, it brought something up for me. Some feelings. Really? What feelings exactly? Oh, just warm feelings twinged with sadness. You know, because I don't get to see them anymore. Blair Witch, are you? That that sounds like nostalgia. Are you feeling nostalgic for those three teenagers? Huh. I suppose I am. Wow. I guess... My question is, why do all this in the first place? Why do you hunt down the people who come into your woods? First, we saw the people at Coffin Rock, all those men tied together and dismembered. And and then there were the children who you had face into the corner. And then Mike and Heather and Josh. What's the meaning behind all this? Oh, those first few. Those were just normal, vengeful spirit witch stuff. You know, you get burned at the stake and you never really get over it. <laughs> the coffin guys reminded me of the men who did the burning. The kids reminded me of the children who gathered around to laugh <laughs> while I burned. But Heather and Mike and even Josh, I think they were the first people I possessed and psychologically tormented and murdered, not to get back at someone else, but just to do something for me. You know? I hear ya. It sounds like you all formed a really important bond. I think we did. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. How can you be nostalgic for the kids you killed? Hey, come on, Roxy. You don't get to choose what you're nostalgic for. People come into our lives. They leave our lives. While facing a corner. But these moments leave an impression on us. You know, the Blair Witch, I think that when we really care for someone, they stay with us even after they're gone. Oh, because you've ripped out their hair and braided into the thick black hair covering your own body? Uh, No, because they continue to influence you. Every time you remember them or act Mm. in ways that that they would feel appreciated for, that's you keeping them alive. Mm. (laughs) I'll never forget my time with them. Stacking rock piles for them to find. (laughs) Making all those weird little stick guys. They made Mike so scared (laughs) and chasing them through the woods. Wow. What a special time. 
for me, those moments are, well, <laughs> they're frozen in time. In your heart? Sure, but also because I can control time with witchcraft. Listen, I do have some real questions about what actually happened to those kids. I don't know if I can talk about them. That's more of a me thing. I'd like to keep that to myself. No, we saw them get murdered. This is now an us thing. What actually happened to those kids? <sighs> All right, you're right. Well, I saw them coming up on Coffin Rock and Heather. So headstrong, so tough. She knew so much about me already. And I felt seen. Maybe for the very first time. That night, I stayed up until dawn tying Blair Witch stick guys for them. Because I wanted them to know how much it meant to me that they'd come all this way. For me. Then, I took possession of Josh. The rascal. He fought it as best he could. But when I got hold of him, I walked him out into the woods. His tongue was so thick. I cut and cut and cut. And then, with nothing in his mouth to stop me, I was able to use his voice. To call out to Heather and Mike. Lure them into the house. Use Josh to club them from behind with a two-by-four. And then, that was it. They were gone. And now... Having talked about it, I don't know. I'm not sad it's over. I'm just, I'm just happy it happened. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, the Blair Witch. No, thank you. Oh my god, okay. She didn't seem sympathetic at all for what she's done. I don't, <laughs> I don't give her a pass no matter how nostalgic she tries to make it seem, Mikey. Heartless, Roxy. I mean, you're the one who fell for her nostalgic musings. I <laughs> I think you empathize too much with uh, the witch murderer. <laughs> but, oh, yeah? You know, Tell that to my therapist. Uh, I will if you want me to. Because she thinks do you, I don't empathize do you enough. you want me to? <laughs> well, boy, she has to see you interact with killers, Mikey. And speaking of those who I empathize with and maybe should not. Here comes <laughs> the demon bomb. I mean, he's doing something. I think, is he waggling his eyebrows at you again, Mikey? All right. I see through it, demon bot. I know what you're trying to flirt with me. And whatever your game is, give it up. Yes. The act. I will drop it because it's an act. Sniff. Anyway, for next week, you shall watch the 1992 film Candyman, directed by Bernard Rose and starring Virginia Madsen, Tony Todd, and Cassie Lemons. If you do not, your souls shall be forfeit and I will claim your bodies as my own. All right, Roxy, so for next week, we're watching Candyman, the original Ooh. from 1992. Original 1992 Candyman. This will be fun. I haven't watched this in so long. I have never seen this movie. All I know is that the Ooh. cover of its box art is an eye and a bumblebee crawling into the eye. Yeah, that that cover art like traumatized me at Blockbuster as a child. Like I never wanted <laughs> to watch it because of that. Then when I watched it later, I, I don't remember there being that many images of bees crawling into people's eyes, but I guess we'll find out how many there are. <laughs> well, speaking of bumblebees, let's make a bet for next week. Oh, okay. Yes. Where do you think the timestamp will be? When we see our first Bumblebee in the film Candyman. Oh, gosh. I'm going to guess 25 because I don't know why. Why not? Okay. 25, sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say 10 minutes. It feels like it'll happen pretty early. 
Yeah, there it could like just drop into the opening credits for all I know, and yeah. uh, then we both lose. Well, no, I guess you'd win by default there, uh, but uh, let's let's find out when the first Bumblebee shows up. All right, the bet's locked. All right, the pact has been sealed. I mean, the bet is confirmed. The person who is closest to the time when the first bee appears in the film shall be declared the winner. The loser must watch a 12-hour remix of the Not the Bees scene from The Wickerman. So, Mikey, we've talked about a lot of things this week that have been spooky, scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about we talk about some things that are making us happy? So, uh, yeah. what what happened this week that has made you happy? Well, Roxy, I rearranged my room. I'm sure. Hell yeah! I have made this my what's making me happy before, <laughs> but I do feel good. I feel like it brings a new spirit of energy to my space, um, and also now. I have space in my room to do yoga. That's wonderful. I cannot recommend yoga enough, especially if you're the type of person who gets inexplicably and supernaturally drawn into a scary basement. Yeah, you got to make sure you're limber and can stretch. So if you need to run, you're not going to pull a hamstring and then Mm -hmm. be down for the count when a zombie dog is chasing you. I would argue that it is the breathing exercises that really helped me through controlling the breath ah, getting yes. calm because if Focusing i didn't do yourself. that <laughs> i would probably lose my mind in this basement <laughs> ah! how about you what's making you happy <laughs> so the thing that, that is making me happy this week uh is a ridiculous youtube video mm. so i don't know if you know about this channel called uh, life of luxury do you no. know the okay <laughs> it's this ridiculous channel with these two dudes who are like not very good actors making these videos about like going to haunted locations mm-hmm. and they were first posting their videos like five years ago like a long time ago and so the setup is the one dude is like gullible and is always like introducing the things he is always denying the scary things that happen Mm -hmm. and then the other guy always wears sunglasses and like is the voice of reason and he's like no this is insane we have to leave and the other guy's like what (laughs) that guy's just like got a skin condition he's not like a ghoul whatever stop being judgmental (laughs) but so they were trying to like pawn these these videos off as if they were real and like every single episode is the same formula there's some hot girl with an instagram following who is a terrible actress who (laughs) uh is like yeah this 19 year old girl asked us to come help her so we went to her house and that's the setup and they've got like you know a dude in a weird suit or some sort of weird puppet thing that they have show up um and then they were getting a bunch of views but then they kind of disappeared uh so what they did is they came back but like they've actually realized like yeah nobody thinks these are real we're actually going to lean into the fact that we're just making fun stupid (laughs) videos about that so like they literally have the new video set up where they're like this 19 year old girl and then it's like a photo of this woman who has had like a lot of plastic surgery to have very exquisite boobs and lips that does definitely doesn't look like she's 19 and they have like multiple photos they're they're trying to lean into their stupid joke that they only high they only take calls from like attractive women who uh-huh. are of a certain age and then when they get there they've been catfished so it's just like a dude named chad who had them come <laughs> there because literally he they don't answer calls from guys being haunted <laughs> this sounds so very th- fun 
they're like actually leaning into like the absurdity and their the memes that have been centered around them and actually uh having fun with it to just be like we're just gonna make dumb fun videos we're not trying to like pawn this off as being real that's fun (laughs) so that that was fun to discover that not only have they come back but they're like you know what we're gonna embrace that shit and uh it's it's very funny cool anyway that's my (laughs) you know roxy each week the demon bot locks us down here in the scary basement. Uh, he and sure hires does. A new monster to guard the basement door to keep us from escaping. And yet, each week, we still escape. This week, I brought along a little uh, equalizer, as it were. Because what oh? I have is a tube of the venom that Batman villain Bane uses to become a giant muscle man. So, yes, I have a tube of oh. venom that will turn me into a Bane. Wait, no, no, you're not injecting that into you. Mikey, stop it. It's too late. Mikey! Mike, how many Resident Evil games has he played? He knows how this ends. All right, Roxy. I'm going to open the basement cellar door and see who's guarding it. You do sound more confident, though. I like what that's doing for you. I don't know about the muscles, though. It looks like this week the guardsman of the basement is an equally big man. Okay, you going to have a grapple match or Roxy, box I'm going to fight him while you sneak off. Okay, is this a permanent change for you, by the way? We'll see. All right, big man, show me what you got. All right, muscle man, why don't you show me your strength? You know, at least he's having fun, actually. Mm-hmm.